I, I can you stay on the mic for one more second? Yeah. Because I think we should uh, record an intro to the podcast, which we forgot to do oh. two and a half hours ago. Oh yeah, I guess we could do that. Okay. All right, Josh, go. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Crapshoot. This is episode forty something. I don't know exactly, but uh, we're recording this is the other podcast. We're pretending this is the front. You can tell by the way I'm speaking. I'm Josh Millard. I'm here with my co-host, Jesse Holden. I'm Jesse Holden, and we have uh, among my favorite guests, if not my very favorite guest of all time, Jessamine West. Hello, Jessamine. I don't have any beer! Take that, other guests. Uh, Just so you know that, moving forward, yes. I don't have any beer. It's weird that I'm saying this at the be- what will be the beginning of the episode, but thank you so much for spending a huge amount of time with us. This was super fun. I would do it again any time, you guys. We will let you know. We will take you up on that, I promise. Yes. Great. Lord help all of you listening. Crap shoot. Crap shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello. Oh my God. It's happening. So here's what happened. We have this end of the year party at the school where where I work one day a week, and I'm never invited to this party because I work one day a week, right? Sure. But like everybody always tells me about it, and I get to go anyhow. But I never receive an official invitation. So somebody told me, and I was all set to go, and it was going to be great because. You know, I get to say bye to everybody and it's like walking distance from my house. So I'm all set and I made some hummus and I got all the shit and I walked over there and it wasn't happening. And I was like, what's going on? Like, you know, those like weird feelings you have, like you go to a party and nobody's there or whatever. Yes. Or you have a party and nobody comes. Yes. So I, I feel called like that the all the time. I fucking don't, except lately. And I call the office and I'm like, hey, what's up? When's Jerry's thing? I'm here, but nobody's here. She's like, it was yesterday. So, you know, I was invited, but then I wrote down the wrong date is my best guess at what actually happened. And I even had an alarm in my phone, like everything. Oh, man. And so it just discombobulated me for the entire day and I forgot everything. So, hi. But I I fuck your shit up. How are you doing? Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, I'm doing great. Can <laughs> I click record on my recording bot? Do it. And we still don't know what Jesse's going to tell us. You just keep talking. I figure that'll be that'll Jessie. be the button on the episode, like you know, an hour and a half from now. I'll be like, oh yeah, I was going to say, you know, uh, my dog died. <laughs> you know, people do that as a device, and it makes me crazy. What makes you crazy? That thing where, like, you 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 drag out. Uh, I'm gonna tell you the end of this sentence for like an hour and a half while you talk about all the other things, and then it ends with the sentence at the end of it. Yes, like when it's when it's contrived that way, or just when it sort of plays out that way. When it's contrived that way, or otherwise, just because it's hard. I don't know, because I always like place a like imaginary finger in the book kind oh, sure. of. Yeah, it's like books with like tons of footnotes. Right. I, I don't know if I ever described this before, uh, but to go off on a tangent about going off on tangents, I had this like the closest thing to being like a whoa stone hallucinogenic experience I had in high school as a very 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 uh, square kid who didn't even like, you know, drink beer, uh, was I was having a conversation in my bedroom one time with a friend from school and we were talking and it was like the first time we'd had like a big long conversation. And so it kept veering this way and that and jumping off. And I just had this image in my head of like a tree structure, 
like sort of a glowing tree structure of branches left and right and, and, and nested branches. Sure. And I remember explaining this to her and it's like, oh my God, you know what? This is weird. Like we were having this conversation. We're going off all these tangents. And like, I just had this sort of vision of like the topography of this conversation as this kind of glowing tree, which is really, high school. Yeah. Josh has a girl yeah. in his bedroom. <laughs> I think that was enough to like get me. I was like, Oh my God, like you know, nothing was ever going to happen there for whatever reason. But like, you know, it's like, yeah, we're sitting in my bedroom under the pentagram painted on my ceiling, uh, having a conversation. I'm like, Whoa, man, have you ever really looked at your hands? But, uh, but it was a genuine moment of like, my brain was like, Oh, Hey, sure. Uh, anyway, that's my tension. About well, and I think some people see sort of conversational structure that way. I think that's one of the things that makes you a good mod, Josh, because you can actually see like, you know, the end level conversations among yeah. and between people branching like that and you can see how they're connected in a way that I think other people legit just do Maybe not Maybe that is see part of why I am really comfortable with the flat structure of metafilter comments and 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 people right. who are like, "Oh, but I like the branching threaded comment thing, you know, like that more is because it makes the structure explicit." Where I'm like, "But I like the structure's already there. You just have to fucking read the thread and then it exists." Maybe maybe that's a right. thing. Maybe that's just a reading and learning style. Right, your mind threads the conversation sort right. of. Right. Right. Yeah. It's all in my mind tree. It's branches in my mind tree. (laughs) There's your episode title. That's a, I mean, that's one of the things that's a, it's a popular complaint, but one that I sort of share with the, you know, popular podcast host Merlin Mann, who has like six or seven (laughs) podcasts at this point is that, because I think he's even acknowledged this at one point, um, but he just never closes the parentheses. Right. And other people find that very appealing and I get it, but I just it's just not my way, you know? Yeah, I can see kind of clicking into it and sort of just being like, OK, well, this is just going to be a stream of consciousness and like listening to someone who just took uh, mushrooms for the first time or something. Nothing worse. There is nothing worse than that. <laughs> there is literally no worse thing. Josh, have you ever taken mushrooms? I have never taken any hallucinogenics. Don't go near me the oh. first time because I no matter how much I like you don't want to be there for that. I remember I was driving home and I was thinking, um, so I'm going to have Josh and Jessamine and me on a podcast tonight. And the world doesn't need another Metafilter podcast because there's several hundred episodes of that already. And I'm thinking like, so what? No, no, no. Not several hundred. Only 117. Oh, there's, there's a hundred and change. Is It's not where yeah. you can start to say hundreds after it's over a hundred? No, no. You have to hit at least 200 before you can say hundreds. There's some numerical thing that has a rule like the one I thought well, this if was. Well, if you're doing, if you're, if you're talking about fractions rather than whole numbers then it's always going to be a plural unit like if you are going one meter you're going two meters three meters etc obviously the plural start at two but if you're going to go 1.5 meters uh that's probably is what i was thinking of yeah and if you're going to go 0.5 meters you're still going meters so like one is the only number that isn't well you're you're on like 1.200 so i'm going to call it hundreds never thought of it that way yeah before. We, we, we've we, we've done 1.17 hundreds of pod well that still is no no there's no bailing me out of this one i just blew it you could do like root like put the exponent (laughs) so we don't so we don't know and we're never gonna know what jesse was thinking when he was driving home it's actually bothering me at this juncture okay yeah yeah. no i don't want to do i don't want to be that guy who does that so there actually isn't that much more to it it was i was thinking josh and jess are so often in the conversation on the Metafilter podcast that I was just wanted to know like what what could we do on this episode that would make it different from what people can already get a hundred and some odd episodes of 
But I think maybe it's the case that just we because... We cannot talk about Metafilter. Right, not talking about Metafilter, right? It's maybe the answer was the way I think the trick is to stop bringing up Metafilter. I mean, and then and then you'll be in good shape. Um, okay. That was, that, was, that was sassier than I meant it to be. I'm sorry. Well, that that's was, okay. That some, so here's another thing. Is I, I think that I, I'm kind of leaning towards an editing style for the crapshoot where I just pluck vignettes of conversation out of the overall flow and just have them just kind of be standalone little snippets. Does that make sense? Sure. And, it sounds uh, labor intensive. Yeah, you, you you do you, buddy. It's already labor intensive no matter what because of how I am in my brain. So I think it's maybe we could rearrange the whole thing. So being alive is just labor intensive. Is that what you're saying? No. <laughs> no, that's how I feel lately. No, like I know every what you mean, goddamn yeah. day, more dishes. What? <laughs> you don't feel that way? Do you, do you have a dishwasher? No, I'm the dishwasher. <laughs> Can I tell you guys a story? Jesse, are you recording at this point too? Yeah, I'm recording. Okay, good, good. Um, because oh, this story right. is so was, good. Right. Uh, Everybody warm up your fucking mics. Josh is going to talk. I was going to no, no. turn my I, volume down because I sounded all clippy on the podcast. Yeah, well, you're recording on your end, right? Yeah. So so you'll send that to Jesse. I'll send mine to Jesse. He'll do, he'll do a proper grown-up job of like doing both streams and i'll do that in the future too i just wanted to see if it worked out okay on the metaphor podcast and did but, uh, it no jessamine sounded bad and you sounded awesome yep that was that was kind of lame of me uh but what do you do uh i'm the only I one who works up there at anymore this potluck so. and no one was there i was just standing with hummus in the middle of the damn road so many moments i've been in that situation i'm like i never want to feel like this again how can i just well i'm like i'm a grown-up lady i thought this stopped when i hit about 14 but no totally i mean i didn't feel too bad i just went home and ate the hummus but like <laughs> it, i had that with this very recording i had that while i was on skype and it was like five minutes to six and i didn't see either of you guys and i was like oh god i'm sure i'm on the wrong fucking day and so i went back to yeah! the email and i scrolled backwards through the email and the last thing i saw was josh saying like so this time and date might be a little weird because Re- of uh, jury duty. So how about uh, six slash nine, which by which he I now know and remember he meant six o'clock our time, nine o'clock your time. You guys and me. But it could just as easily have been June 9th, which was days ago. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Where the fuck were you guys? Come on. I'm not even that clever. <laughs> I told you I had jury duty. I guess Josh and I have been speaking in three-hour time differences forever, so yeah. I'm more... Yeah, really I had that, that panicky moment for a second now, too, but I wasn't standing in the middle of the road with uh, some homemade hummus as much as I feel like I kind of understand... With the neighbors across the street looking at me. They know there was a party yesterday. <laughs> it's going to be in the newspaper. I got a cough drop. I told Jim that we were supposed to chat in 13 minutes, but it's going to be more like an hour and 13 minutes. And uh, he's mostly okay with that. So. Yes, an hour, an hour. <laughs> we can keep it to an hour. <laughs> well, I just said I'll text you when I'm done. Sure. Josh, have we ever kept it to an hour? You know, I early on, it's, it's I mean, had sort of this. what you're promising, you know. You're promising on both of our behalves when you say I, something I, like that. I, 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 thought I, I thought I was like. He doesn't even know who you guys are. I thought I was mostly being sarcastic <laughs> He thinks it's Josh's podcast. Sorry, Jesse. Right. Because I know the three of us have been together in Portland, and I also know for a fact that Jim has never been to Portland. And I, I've hardly yeah. been outside of it. Is that true? Oh, no, do not we? really. No. I, I get to, <laughs> less and less do I even get for to say God's that. For God's sakes. I, I, I a- feel like I, I years ago I was kind of unhappy that I didn't travel very much, but that's uh, been changing lately. So 
I guess my uh, my old self-deprecating jokes no longer stand. You got to update your shit. Yeah. Do you have like friends that do that that are like, oh, yeah, I never take taxis anywhere or whatever the thing is. But like it's based on a version of them from like five years ago. And you're like, you take taxis all the goddamn time. <laughs> like I've only known you since you've taken taxis. When did this harken? You know, it's like, oh, I barely drive a car. And I'm like, you know, the years from one to 16. <laughs> <laughs> like I was hanging out with a friend with a kid this weekend and the kid's like, I don't know, year and a half, amazing child, but nothing I do, they're going to remember, assuming I don't <laughs> maim them. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if they never see me again, they actually won't know that we ever hung out, right. except yeah. maybe there's a photograph. That's why you just have free reign to be a dick, to just flip them off and stuff, be really rude to them. Well, I swear around them because I'm like, this kid can't remember a fucking thing. <laughs> So my story, I was at jury duty the last couple of days. Oh, I was hoping this was a jury duty story. <laughs> the story is that there was this mom who was trying to argue with a teacher and then later a vice principal about a bad grade her daughter got on the premise, as far as I can tell, that because her daughter has previously gotten good grades, it's impossible for her daughter to have gotten a bad grade on this assignment, which would bring her grade in the class down to a B. And she's a straight A student. And she cried and cried and cried because she wait, did badly wait, wait. on this, this assignment. Wait, wait, wait. This is a fucking jury duty? Yeah, she's on her I fucking cell phone. America. Yeah, and it's like, come on. But, you know, she's going on about this and she talks to the teacher and she calls up dad. And then she calls up the teacher again to get the vice principal reference. And it was clearly a power move of like, oh, hey, sorry to keep bothering you again, even though I'm obviously trying to bother you until you make this go away by giving my daughter a better grade. But I think I'll take you up on that effort to talk to the vice principal. And she calls the vice principal and blah, 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 blah. How does this get to court? And, and, and where this whole thing is going is she finally gets off the phone with the various people she has to call in the school slash family dynamic about and this. And there's a flaming bag of dog shit on her porch because she's a horrible person. <laughs> no, well, I mean, hopefully, but uh, I didn't get a witness that. But she gets off the phone and she's clearly still she needs to keep talking about this. So at this point, she just turns to the person to her Wait, left. This is a fellow juror. Yes, this is a fellow fucking oh, juror. I thought this was a crime being committed. No, 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 no. This, this is just a, this is a, this is another like jury pool person. We're sitting in this like giant jury pool lobby. There's 200 of us mostly in these actually kind of nice chairs. And and this woman is just doing this on the phone for like the first like 45 minutes of, of oh like the God. jury pool selection waiting period. And then she gets done with her phone calls. And so there's like a time for her to take a breath. And then she clearly needs to keep telling someone about this. So she turns to the person to her left and starts talking to him about this and she basically just explains the whole thing again and like you can already hear significant differences between the conversation she had on the phone and how she's relaying the conversation she just had sitting next to this oh, guy. Oh, I bet. So the whole thing is she turns this guy, she starts talking to him and she starts explaining her daughter's entire academic career to him essentially as context for this and includes the fact that, you know, she uh, learned both uh, Mandarin and Spanish in the process of, of her high school career. And the guy starts talking and you know, he's being like, oh, yeah, well, you know, he's like, whatever. He's making a conversation and this lady clearly wants to talk. And they start talking about language and she starts explaining some stuff about Spanish. And he starts explaining his take on that in his obvious Spanish accent. And then she stops him to explain how Spanish phonetics work to him. Oh, God. And I was just sitting here. I was like, I was like, oh, my fucking God, this is amazing. I'm actually Portland. I'm experiencing mom splaining first person <laughs> in this in this jury room, and uh, like the whole concept of dare 
had, uh, I would say like as in like the anti-drug program had relatively limited effects sure. on me. Like I didn't like become a hardline anti-drug person. I, I sort of bought into the, Hey, well, you know, maybe say no to drugs. Okay. And you know, people just honestly weren't offering me drugs enough for it to really be an issue. Oh, it's all those like Nancy Reagan era, like scare videos about, uh, all your friends just trying to cajole you into taking free drugs that they presumably paid lots of money for. And then you take PCP and jump <laughs> off a building. Yeah. And, and then the guy with a trash can with a neon glowing drugs underneath. That didn't actually come, wasn't actually the case in your high school experience. Well, no, yeah, I, you know, it, not so much, but the thing is I did get like exposure to like, you know, hallucinogenic stuff through like some slightly above my your dumb friends no no like like slightly above my reading level sort of horror stories about acid flashbacks and permanent like you know like like, like altering brain structure and whatnot that i found sort of like viscerally terrifying at the time in a way that hey don't do that because you might get in trouble didn't really but the idea that i could right, like right, permanently right. alter my brain chemistry and then no longer have a reliable sense of whether i'm actually genuinely experiencing stuff or experiencing a perception of it. That's like, really interesting. I remember having an ultra anxious reaction to kind of learning the same kind of half misunderstood truth about psychedelics myself. It was it was very very yeah it, yeah, it, it was like, very well, very wound up. And I think I think I, I I had that like being scared off at experience well before I'd started to really contemplate the fact that you know brains are kind of. They're guessing a lot of the time anyway. So the idea that you have a pure and crystalline objective reality versus what hallucinogenics well, give you. and after you're 25, it actually kind of doesn't matter. <laughs> but like with your kid brain, that is, you know, a thing that's worth paying attention. Yeah, well, yeah. And I, 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 think it's, I think it's good that at 14 I wasn't dropping acid probably. Uh, but at the same time, I, I feel like I probably also carry around a much stronger aversion to hallucinogenics than I really like practically should, even if I don't feel like going there. Sure. Like I, I'm aware that there is some aspect of being told horror stories that goes above and beyond the idea that, oh, well, yeah, you might feel weird afterwards. Like, But I also, my sister, my oldest sister, did an anti-drug high school, like, theatrical review performance or something. Oh, God. Where, like, she was part of, like, it was very much like a stage play version of, like, a hardcore anti-drug uh, thing, like, above and beyond, like, Dare's relatively milquetoast approach. So it was like 30 minutes of like, you know, vignettes about drug related drama and whatnot. And so she was doing the story of some girl who was like supposed to be babysitting her like siblings. Uh, and then she did some acid or something like she dropped acid. She took some sort of hallucinogenic and she had like a bad trip and she had a bad trip that led to her like walking out on a bridge, terrified of the things that were chasing her and jumping to her death. This is how it and works. And this is my sister, who was actually a really good actress as a, a you know, <laughs> for a high school teenager. She's a really good actress, really great. So she's like, she's just practicing her performance and it was fucking terrifying. My sister's like doing a really good job <laughs> of performing a complete fucking freak out that ends with her narrative death. In the living room, like this 10 minute, like, you know, monologue. And I'm like, yeah, no, you did really good. That was really good. Thanks. Yeah, no, you're going to do great. And then just was like, freaked the fuck out for a month, like, just like by that experience. <laughs> and then I had a cousin who did the same thing, either as a practical joke or actually because she was having a bad trip one time when we were hanging out at my grandma's house when I was like six. So between those two, I really had a really strong, like, familial, dramatic aversion <laughs> to like. See, I just had like a hippie drug taking uncle who was cool. <laughs> See, yeah, that's a very different experience. So it was it was hard to 
get that same kind of agita worked up about it. Well, that was going to be one of my questions is like how much of this just turns immediately into backlash when people realize that like smoking a joint doesn't make you like insane or homicidal or whatever. And it, the whole house of cards seems to fall apart once you. Well, and especially if somebody's told you that. Right. Right. Who you care about. Like, it's it's always been weird talking about drugs with my mom, you know, because like, as you know, like my dad kind of was uh, had a bit of a drinking problem. But like my mother's always been kind of straight and narrow. And, you know, she was always the one who was like, ah, drugs, they are the worst when I was a kid. And, you know, I did a little bit of experimenting, not a ton, but enough to know that she was completely full of shit. <laughs> and then like, how do you have that conversation? You know, as a kid, you totally can't have it. But as I grew up. And now, like, I'm a grown-ass person. I can tell her I smoke weed if I want to, not that I almost ever do. But, like, she's still, like, she'll talk about, like, whoa, the neighbor's kid, drugs. And I'm like, drugs, ma? Like, <laughs> like, there's a huge difference between, like, someone who's smoking weed and, like, someone who's got, like, a heroin or a meth problem. And there's even a difference between a heroin problem and a meth problem. Like, there's nuance. There's levels of nuance. And it's all lost to her because she's just like, drugs. Drugs. You know, when she's drinking her second or third... <laughs> you know, glass of sherry. And I'm like, seriously, seriously, but I'm not very good at being like, you know, Jacques or whatever. But what I really want to talk about is whether milk toast has two syllables or three. (laughs) I I think of it as three. I don't know what I said. Well, you clearly think of it as three. You said all three. Oh, okay. I just wanted to check in. Jesse Tiebreaker. M-I-L-Q-U-E-T-O-S-T. I have always, I have always said milk toast. Um, but uh, right. I've always had reservations. Really? Because it always seemed like there was something I was missing about. Because I don't know, what's the etymology of the word? I don't even know. You guys probably both do. I'll, I'll, I'll look you it up. You put toast in milk and it's soggy. Uh, really? <laughs> Isn't it? Is it? Isn't it? Like, why is it a Q-U-E? Because it's French. Because it's French toast. Well, then why is the milk and the toast English words then? I thought it was just a coincidence that those words lined up with milk and toast in English. Uh, That's a very good question. I, you know, Joshua. I thought it was like some foreign composite word that only coincidentally sounded like the English words milk and toast. Oh. Let, let, let's turn to the OED. It says. Oh, come on. Turn to Wikipedia. What are you no, even doing no, to us? I've got OED access. It's awesome. How do you have OED access? Through Angela? Uh, through the library, through the Multnomah County Library. You're so great. Yeah, I know, we have a great, really good it? library system here, Jessamine. It's you know. I fucking know you do. I'm not trying to say you have to move here, but you yeah. you know. I you can't totally should. move there. You should move to Portland. It's super expensive. <laughs> yeah. I lived in Seattle and visited Portland back in the day. You hobos. <laughs> you should come back to Portland. Come back I'm to done Portland. with Portland. Etymology. Oh, okay, it cites both milk toast, M I L K and M I L Q U E, are both uh, common. Uh, I think uh, the British say it differently than than we do, but I can't read IPA. Color me surprised. Um, but uh, origin from a proper name, from the proper name Milkatoast with a Q, uh, or Milk Toast. Both of both of these pronunciations, by the way, look like two syllables. So I think Milkatoast is. is I'm going my... to Wikipedia. I can't stand this. The name of Caspar Milkatoast, a cartoon character created by H. T. Webster in 1924 in his Timid Soul cartoon strip. And named after the American dish milk toast, as in milk and toast. So you tr- go walk far back enough, and it is milk on toast. Yeah, it's milk on saying. toast was the basis for the name of a character who then became the basis for. Who I'm looking at a picture of. Are you? Nope. Oh, yep, because you the OED has nothing on Wikipedia. Wikipedia wins again. Yeah, but I, I, I can read the OED and actually expect it to be true. Which Mine is nice. cites the OED. 
Well, I can I can edit Wikipedia until I decide it's true. So there you go. <laughs> right. I mean, with smoke like a smoke in a joint would be like more likely than someone smoking a cigarette, and is yeah. in my entire life experience of like camping or whatever, hanging out with. It, a it feels people. about like even Steven at this point with yeah. the, how much smoking culture has gone away in general in Portland after the the ban the last many years. Right. Oh God! See, in Vermont, there's still a—I mean, you still can't smoke at bars, but like the bar that I do trivia at, like they have an actual like seventh inning stretch or whatever, where like <laughs> they give you five minutes Just so the out, smokers go can go smoke. smoke. Yeah. And it's like a two-hour trivia thing. It's not like we're there for like six and a half hours. It's not a transatlantic <laughs> flight. You know what I mean? And two hours is a long time for a smoker. I was a heavy smoker. In fact, I was a heavy smoker when the ban arrived in Portland and I voted for the ban despite being a heavy smoker just because I thought it's dumb that people have to put up with what I get to do here. So are you not a smoker at all now? No, for not for years. I tried quitting a couple times and I think the reason I quit successfully when I did was I forgot to mark the date or like make <laughs> any sort of ceremony about it or like savor my final cigarette. Yeah. I just sort of like stopped half acidly. For the first time, and it worked perfectly because I didn't make a big deal out of it, and I just kind of forgot to fret about the how long I had been quit for, or you know when my three month or six month anniversary of quitting was, or things. It helped a huge amount to just like kind of quit and not just care. Like, just ghost it. Just ghost cigarettes. It's like, hey, sorry, cigarettes. You know, it's been fun, but like, I'm kind of done with this relationship, so I'm just gonna stop. I'm just gonna stop go. returning their phone calls. But as an upshot of that, I actually don't know how long I have been clean of cigarettes but it's i don't know five years maybe probably that's my best all guess. Right. yeah all right and i'm pretty happy with it I, I mean i started when i was 14 my first girlfriend got me smoking cigarettes so it was uh, quite a while good lord that's a bad deal right there yeah. you should have been dropping acid <laughs> with me and my friends in high school yeah boy when yeah when you were talking about writing down uh, or not sorry not writing down but like listening to someone on the fir- their first time on mushrooms <laughs> the worst uh intolerable it is here's what happened to me the first time i did mushrooms i had a great time and i was just like letting my mouth blah 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 and i was whatever annoying shithead sure but i found out after about an hour that a friend of mine had been sitting there writing down all the shit i had been saying (laughs) and she stood up and started reading it in kind of like a poetry slam kind of voice or like what shakespearean almost kind of voice and i was like i said all this shit and I'm the biggest idiot, and I sound like an idiot, and I hate myself, and this sucks, and everyone's laughing at and me. And I'm never doing mushrooms again. So the whole rest of the trip ah. was like this total, total fucking bummer spiral for me. That's a that's a shit deal. Aww. That's fucking that's that's. And lousy. she meant it to be funny because she was oh, sure. she thought it was adorable and funny and and she wasn't on mushrooms and she wasn't on exactly she was not on mushrooms so um, yeah. So yeah, that, I mean, don't get yeah. me wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with babbling when you're on mushrooms. I just have no tolerance for it. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing wrong with being that guy. Right. And you plus, you've put your time in doing being that person after a certain amount of time, being like the shepherd, the sober shepherd of the mushroom just, person. Well, just be with somebody else. There's people who love that kind of thing. You know, who, <laughs> right. There's people who feel like they're piercing the veil when they hear that. Right. So just remember, money is real. Like, oh, God, <laughs> shut up. But, <laughs> but it's important to have someone remind you that money is real you know or or more importantly that money's not real at all and it's a total shared delusion but before you give it all to a hobo right. <laughs> i think the closest thing i've had to anything like that like like the, the the most like obnoxiously drugged out experience i've had was uh the first time i smoked a lot of weed all at once and this was after having periodically like every couple of years maybe like smoked a little bit of joint or whatever um, and then I got together with a friend. We'd been in a band together and then the band broke up, but we kept the practice space that we'd had as a four piece. And so the two of us 
kept renting that. We'd get together and play music. And one time he was starting to get into weed and he was like, Oh, Hey, yeah. So I got this new bong and Hey, do you want to, would you, cause he knew I didn't really like smoke um, sure. regularly. And so he's like, Hey, do you want to like go to the practice space and we can get a little stoned and like, you know, we'll, you know, play some music. And I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds like fun. Let's do that. So we go to this, this practice space downtown. This was in the Modish building in downtown Portland. Um, and, uh, we went up to our practice space and he brought out his bong and I'd never like used a bong before, but I, you know, smoked enough to know how to inhale and had gotten sort of perversely proud of being able to inhale well. Like, you know, I, I, I like I did the early on smoking stuff where you try and smoke and then you cough a bunch and then I like, sort that's of, basically my reality still. Yeah. Well, I, I've gotten to the point where I can, I can very confidently take a deep drag on a cigarette and, you know, and then blow it out and everything's fine. And, uh, it's, it's weird that I'm proud of that, but something about like the, the mastery of, you know, your semi involuntary functions. I, 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 that's a skill. Skills are yeah. important. Sure. I, I, last time, I think the last time I smoked a joint around someone who I hadn't like, you know, hung around with before at a party or something, um, I took in a big drag and they were like, oh yeah, well, no, you have to, you have to inhale it. And I was like, I was looking at them because I'm sitting there with a lung full of smoke and I'm sort of looking at them and they're sort of looking at me like, and they're like, oh no, let me talk to you. There's just, and then after like, you know, 10 seconds, I exhale this giant cloud of smoke. It's like, no, I know what the fucking point is. <laughs> the whole point is if you take a nice big drag and hold it in for a while, you're going to maximize the chemical transfer into your fucking lungs. Is that um, actually true? I know potheads think it is true. I assume is it, it really is. I'm, I'm assuming like a, 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 if nothing else, like a deep drag is probably going to. You know, Josh, you're sure you didn't have like smoke? your cheeks poofed out in a Dizzy Gillespie thing? Yeah, I don't and, think so. Okay. I don't think so. I think I think it was they just might have been looking, trying to look out for you. No, I think I, patronizing. Well, I think they were. I think they were. I think it was a genuinely sort of ambiguous moment where I either could have like literally gone and had a little bit right. in my cheeks, or I took a big drag and it's just I was I was I was like playing it fucking cool, right? And as a result, I played it excessively cool, and they thought that I was standing around just like letting the joint burn. Anyway, um, so I go to the practice space with my friend and he brings out his bong and I'm like, oh, a bong, neat. Um, I don't think I said that. I think I was playing a little bit cool then too because I mean, I'd seen bongs before, but I'd never like, you know, ripped on a bong or whatever. And so he's like, yeah, and this is yeah, some pretty whatever good Whatever the stuff. kids call it. Yeah, you know, I, I'd never done a bong if you can hear my air quotes. This story never, is so fucking adorable. Keep I'd never going, taken some pot, if you know what I mean. Um, a, hit, a hit of pot. <laughs> Hit that bong. Yeah. Everything I know, I learned from a goat song. Uh, so, so I he, got this friend named Mary Jane, and she makes me feel strange. Oh, that's Cypress Hill. Anyway, so I, I he takes a, a a hit off his bong. At least at this point, I'm I'm hyper conscious about the fact that I don't really talk about uh, drugs. Much. Takes a hit off the bong is completely English. Okay, good. Uh, and then I do likewise. Also English. And you know, I, I, I take a, a, a nice big drag on this bong and big old rip. Nope. Nope. Not a thing. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm just going to play with it now. I take a, yeah. I, I, I make a serious advance towards this bong yeah, and, yeah. uh, and then I hand it back to him and I sit there and, and a couple minutes go by. I'm like, Oh yeah, well, you know, I don't really feel anything. I better do that again. Mm. And I, another great big giant lungs full and then him, I was like, oh, it's a- no, you just say lungful. I know. I'm, 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 I'm legitimately fucking around at this point. Ah. Sorry. <laughs> Jesse. Uh, I've lost the plot. I don't know. It's, I, I mean, I, I, we should gang up on him. Ba- I think, basically, I just start, way. I start, I start blinking really fast, apparently. And I say to him, I feel like I'm blinking really fast. He's like, you are blinking really fast. And then the next three hours, I'm just laying crooked up against the wall, 
completely fucking miserable and dizzy and unable to stand. And we recorded the whole thing. So somewhere I have like, like two or three hours of us just playing like the same three or four songs really badly while super fucking stoned for hours. (laughs) And like, I never want to sit down and listen to this exactly again, but I'm kind of glad I have it in case I ever need to remind myself. You might in like 20 years, like Jim listens to some of his like pothead music from college and now that he's a grown up, it's a little bit funny. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not like Captain Chillwave of like master drug culture or anything. <laughs> so you're like Captain Chillwave of master drug culture. And I don't right? want to act. I don't act like I am. But one of the super super common shared experiences of anyone who's done any sort of drugs is that moment where you're like, I don't think this is affecting me. Give me more. <laughs> Always. Yep. <laughs> it's like everyone's like most fucked up story or like wildest night starts with that. Like I took these mushrooms 15 minutes ago and I'm still not feeling it. Give me the rest. <laughs> and it's, and it's part of it is because you are so like hyper-focused on your current state that times kind of passes so slowly that you kind of don't realize it hasn't really been that long since you yeah. took the drugs and it's kind of, you need to give it a little more time, but no one realizes this at first. And so everybody has that, like, yep. I've already done too much, but I haven't yet realized that I've done too much. So give me the rest. Yeah. Well, because you also think as as somebody who, you know, started and ended much of my drug experimentation in high school, like I, I was a really timid drug taker. And so I would be like, well, I'm just going to try a little because I'm afraid. And so then you assume I did that I did it to myself. You know what I mean? Mm. That I'm like, well, I only took half a tab of acid, so maybe I should take the whole tab or maybe I should take two tabs or like whatever the thing is. Right. Because you assume you're micro dosing yourself when in point of fact, you're just impatient. Right. And it's very hard to realize how impatient you are because there's that time dilation that happens when you're hyper focused on your own mental state. Exactly. Exactly. To be fair, I am that way with pizza. Like instead of being like, you know, don't do it. It's dangerous. It's like, look, don't be an asshole. Don't be an idiot. Don't be a fucking moron. Dare should have just done a program about not being an asshole when you're taking drugs. Well, seriously, right? Sort of what I was getting at earlier was, yeah, like you don't like how how much million times more successful would that program have been if it wasn't like just say no. Everything is equally nightmarishly life endingly bad to even try for once. And it was a little bit more reality based, right? I'm obviously like everyone has been saying this for 20 years now, and I'm not, you know, I'm not bringing any, you know, dropping insane, mad science. Right. But at the same time, it seems really obvious. I mean, the the thing that kept me from trying certain drugs for way longer than I would have otherwise was not any dare program, which I went through dare programs in high school. Um, it was my mom saying, "The longer you wait, the better it is." <laughs> <laughs> was she talking about drugs or sex or like which, everything? A, a, that's pretty fucking badass. And B, I trusted her because I knew her background. But C, probably, I mean, in my limited experience, true, right? I think I think it's reasonably good advice. I mean, not yeah. not to throw shade at anybody who was like an earlier experimenter with anything because that could also go totally well. But I think for me as someone who was like anxious about that stuff, the fact that I didn't like really start drinking until late in college and and whatnot, it was probably a good thing because it means I had spent a lot of time thinking about it. And once I got into it, not to say I never got like too fucking drunk when I was in college or whatever, but uh, at least I had a little bit of like 
awareness about. And so I think for me, that worked out well. See, I, think if I been- have a really opposite feeling about it. I feel like I'm really happy I got a lot of that out of my system in high school when I was a complete idiot on my parents' health insurance. Sure. And, yeah. and like fucking around in front of most people that I never saw again. You know what I mean? Like by college, I was meeting people who I was going to be friends with for the rest of my life. Hmm. Whereas in high school, that wasn't my reality. And so doing experimentation with some of those people seemed to make more sense. But that that's also like the sex and drugs thing too. Like, you know, messing around with people in high school kind of gets it out of your system so that by college when you're meeting people, you might actually have something intellectually in common yeah. with. You're like, hey, I kind of know what I'm doing. Well, yeah, and I can totally see that side too. I it, It's it's interesting because I think what it comes down to is it's like one of those things that varies so much from person to person. Sure, there's sure, like, sure. There's both good advice and the impossibility of knowing whether or not it'll be applicable and, and until in retrospect. And even then it's going to be so strongly colored by the experiences you had. You know, you're never gonna be able to say, well, I can objectively say based on my positive or negative experience that this is how everybody should be. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and yet it's, it's such an easy thing to like, you know, be like, well, actually about that. uh, Yeah. And I, that probably informs a whole lot of like, you know, parents' attempts to manage this for their kids, policy decisions that are based on the idea of trying to replicate what their perception of a successful approaches you know right as opposed to something that's like don't be an asshole where it's like look you can do whatever you do because you own your own body but let's talk about how to not make decisions you make turn into drunk driving fatalities or whatever the thing is yeah like i feel like we'd have more success with drunk driving if we were able to talk about it as like look we know people drive drunk all the time we've got to actually learn to manage it as a social problem not just keep yelling at people to not do it even though i think that's i mean that's what I wish would happen. <laughs> but realistically, it's not what happens. I remember lots of don't drink and drive. I don't remember a whole lot of like, seriously, a cab's just not that fucking expensive. Call a cab. You know, and I feel like that would be a more effective way to communicate that idea. It's like, you know what? It may be a slight expense and a slight inconvenience to, you know, get someone else to drive you. But it's a better idea than you driving you. Or when you're a young person having parents that have sensible approaches. I mean, my mom, one of the things I really liked about her was she was like, look, if you're in a place and you're too drunk to drive home, you just call me and I'll yell at you tomorrow. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, you won't, you know. And I actually took her up on it a couple times because the whole deal was like she didn't want you to be so afraid of getting yelled at. I mean, she didn't say I'll yell at you tomorrow, but she was like, I won't (laughs) yell at you tonight. We'll talk about it the yeah. next day or whatever. Yeah. And the concept and makes ap- sense. I appreciated the hell out of that. And I think for a lot of parents, they're like, well, just don't fucking do it. And you're like, well, that doesn't actually work, <laughs> especially in rural areas. Like in Portland, at least you could take a cab. Like I couldn't take a cab home in rural Massachusetts. And in Randolph, basically I either drink in town or I stay where I am. Yeah. If I go drinking somewhere, because otherwise, I mean, Everyone else on the road is drunk, so you've got to be sober to stay the fuck away from them. <laughs> exactly. And nobody loses their license here because they need their car to get to work. Yeah. Whereas in cities, you know, you see a lot of like people riding bicycles around because they don't have, I mean, <laughs> Portland people ride bicycles for all sorts of reasons. But around here, if you're a grown ass man wearing riding a bicycle and not wearing spandex, you lost your license drunk driving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to disappear for just a second. Hang around, both of you, please. We'll okay. Be right back. Like, like how much of a second? He's just, he's just going to leave. He's not even going to answer my question. Too late. He's just going to record and see how long you and I stay talking to each other. <laughs> this is a psychological test. Uh, well, joke's on him because I'm seriously going to go pee so bad. I'll be right back. 
I guess the joke is on me then because both of these fuckers are gone and they left me with the rolling the rolling tape recorder, digital recorder, recording button, the blinking red light. I don't even know what they call it. I don't even know if Jesse will listen to it. Maybe he'll just edit the whole thing out. Maybe he doesn't want to know. Oh, I'm still here. It's 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 11 o'clock at night in Vermont. My town has been asleep for two hours. I got a headset, so I can't go get snacks in the other room. I'll put a picture of this on Snapchat. Alright, I Snapchatted it. Hey, you know how come a chicken coop only has two doors? Because if it had four doors, it would be a chicken sedan. I don't even know if chicken coop jokes play in Portland. They probably do, right? Everybody there's got a goddamn chicken. A rooster. Angry neighbors. We're like, I paid half a million bucks for this goddamn bungalow and you got a fucking rooster? Really? Really? My sister wants a goat. Apparently there's this thing called goatscaping. You get your goat and then you like, you, you share crop your goat to other people's yards and they do that instead of having a lawnmower. You just have a goat, tie it, and walks around in a circle. Eats all the grass. All right. Have you been talking the whole time? Yeah. Good, 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 good. Crap shoot. Crap shoot. Now, 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 crap shoot. Fucking A. Okay. Woo. Good night, you guys. Good night. How do I log out of Skype? Oh, oh you just working. hit a button. I don't yeah. even okay. know. Yeah. Just, Matt, you know, all over again. Okay. Good night, you guys. Good night. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it.